Hey, it's Kathy. I'm just hopping in real quick to tell you that the doors are closing to the Abundance Method program today. That's right. May 16th, four o'clock Pacific time, we close the doors to this program. And I'm so excited to watch you change your life. I'm so excited to see what happens when you tap into the energy that is within you and you start to attract so much into your life and there's incredible synchronicity and you start to perceive what was always here in plain sight and that which was hidden becomes revealed. If you want to join us, you can go to kathyheller.com slash join. And remember, those of you who sign up for the Platinum, you get the retreat included. It's going to be an incredible retreat. It's a three-day experience. You can choose between July or October and the July is definitely filling up. So come on in and join us. Again, the doors close at four o'clock Pacific today. You can sign up at kathyheller.com slash join. I cannot wait to spend 12 weeks with you and watch you become a master at manifesting the most gorgeous experiences and opportunities and abundance into your life. All you need is 20 seconds of just insane courage. I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short, and to stop sitting it out, and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art or music or screenwriting or dance or baking, and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full time, because it's not just about business, it's about contribution, it's about meaning. That is what we seek, that is what we truly want, and you absolutely are here to serve the world, and I want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you. And every single week, we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way, to help you be more successful, to help you be the truest expression of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive in. Thanks to ExpressVPN for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. You probably don't think much about internet privacy on your own home network. ExpressVPN will secure your privacy and protect your information. Visit expressvpn.com slash dreamjob and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. Hey guys, it's Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I just want to say thank you for being there for me. I can't even express what it feels like to have received all your messages and emails. It was hard for me to share my story last week. As I was recording it, I thought, I can't believe I'm sharing this. Maybe I'll just keep this recording for me and re-record something else. But then I decided to put it out there. And every single person who contacted me was just so kind and conscientious and loving. And I also got to hear your stories. And I just can't believe how much you've endured and how many heartbreaking things have transpired and how you continue to look for the good and you just continue to show up and then you have the capacity to be there for me. It's just so rare and so touching and maybe it's not rare. Maybe it actually taught me that when we share our heart, when we express our truth, 
maybe the world is even more beautiful and more willing to hold space for us than we maybe think. I've just been met with so much kindness and I hope that it inspires you to share your stories. You know, I think about how we really only paint one picture when we post things on Instagram or Facebook or what we share with people. We paint a picture that everything's fine. You know, we share our wins, we share our most perfect moments. But I think each of us carries a lot. And I wonder sometimes why we don't share. And when I was at Onsite in December, we talked about how sometimes part of the reason we don't share is because of shame. You know, we feel like people might judge us for certain things, or we feel like people might be critical of us for even feeling what we feel. And then I think some of the other times we don't share because we think people won't get it. And maybe we have some cynicism about the world and we think people won't be delicate with our broken hearts or they won't be respectful. But what would happen if we just came from a vulnerable place and we lived in our truth? I wonder how much love we would actually open the door to invite in. I wonder how many people would surprise us with just pure goodness. And I wonder how much that would empower us to grieve, to share, to find strength in our pain and, and maybe to help somebody else when they're in that pit of darkness to feel like they're not alone and someone else understands. So if it inspired you to share your story, then that means so much to me. I feel like it gives my baby soul even more of a legacy than he already has. And he continues to then leave an imprint. And if it helped you, then again, I feel like it gives meaning to something that was so painful for me because maybe it gave healing to other people. So just, I want to say a big thank you. And I'm so, so happy that Bob Goff is our guest today because it just feels like the perfect person to have here because his very essence is so healing. And I'm going to introduce him in one second. But before I do, my team wants to make sure I keep things on track. And so I want to let you know that we're doing the Arrive Summit. We were all set to do this at the Marriott in Beverly Hills in March and because of the coronavirus, we canceled and there were a couple hundred people already booked. There were plane tickets booked. There were hotel rooms booked. And um, I made the decision to cancel it. And it wound up being the right decision because a week after I decided to cancel it, it was mandatory that everything be canceled. I just couldn't continue with the event knowing that it might hurt someone or someone might be in danger. Anyway, we had to cancel the event, but we wound up being able to create it online. And it's going to be this amazing, interactive, virtual experience. And I think you guys are going to be really uplifted by it. Um, early bird pricing is $97. And some of the amazing speakers that will be there are Patrice Washington, Amy Tangerine, Neil Pasricha, Ahayana Angel, Tommy Makanjula, Lindsay Simsick, and Krista Williams. It's just going to be a really special couple days. It'll be August 3rd and 4th. And um, 
Again, tickets are $97. I think the pricing will go up on July 17th. So if you want to get tickets, you can go to kathyheller.com slash arrive. And that's it. All right, let's talk about today. Let's talk about this really special conversation. Bob Goff is here. He's a best-selling author, speaker, podcast host, coach, and he's the founder of Love Does. He began his career as a lawyer, but gave up his law firm to pursue writing and speaking full-time, and he has now inspired millions of people to dream big. And he helps people make their life more awesome and unlock their potential to love and be loved greater. Some of you might recognize his name because I quoted him on the show already several times. You may have read one of his many incredible books like Love Does, Everybody Always, Live in Grace, and Walk in Love. You might also be familiar with his Dream Big podcast, which is all about discovering, declaring, and realizing your big ambitions so you can have a fulfilling life and impact the world for good. You're definitely going to want to go listen to all of the stuff he's putting out there after you hear this conversation. He is one of the sweetest souls, and I just love talking to him. I felt so in awe of his light just being with him. So without further ado, please welcome the remarkable Bob Goff. Bob Goff, thank you so much for making the time to be here. Oh, you bet. I'm glad we're talking. I'm so happy right now. I can't even. What a soul. So can you just tell us a little bit about how you were once an attorney and then you left that? That's crazy. Yeah. So one of the things that we want to talk about today, I bet, is this idea of moving from your uh, the things that you're capable of to the mm-hmm. things you're longing for. Mm-hmm. I think we're all longing for the same stuff, you know, like love, purpose, connection, yep. authentic relationships. And so the things that I was capable of, I'd gone to law school and, and I was a lawyer, kind of did that for a day job and then started spending my time uh, with some people that were hurting and uh, I knew how to be an advocate and but I've, I've learned that actually what the world needs isn't as many advocates. It just needs people that are available. And so we started some schools and did a couple things in some places. And, and then it turns out that I wasn't as good a lawyer as it would take to uh, have all the money <laughs> to run all this. So I think we were spending like thirty or $40,000 a month on all these different schools and things we had oh going. Oh my God. So it was right about then that a publisher contacted me and said, would you write a book? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Will you build a school? I'll trade you one book for one school. <laughs> so they said, how big's a school? And I said, 1400 child soldiers and a hundred teachers in Northern Uganda in the middle of the war. And they said, big school. And I said, big book. <laughs> so I made them pay me in advance because I didn't know if it'd be any good. And then we, uh, we just, sold it. We just sent all the money to these different schools and one school became more and more. And so that's what we do now. So I got a piece of paper and some file cabinet somewhere that says what I'm capable of, but I'm spending a little bit more time thinking about what I'm longing for. I don't need anybody to know my name. I just want to leave something behind that will outlast me. So I literally have tears streaming down my face. I love that line where you said, it turns out you don't have to be the most knowledgeable, just be available. Yeah, isn't that crazy? None of us can decide when we're born, where we're Oof. born, how tall we are, but you can decide how available you'll be. Uh, so I put on the last page of uh, 2 million books, <laughs> my cell phone number. And so I get so many phone calls. I bet 100 a day. It's terrific. I can't get a thing done. 
Like there's actually somebody calling right now. I'm going to have them call back. Beautiful <laughs> about just being available. And uh, one of the neat things is that you learn more about yourself. Um, when I answer the phone, I pick up a pen because I'm there to learn. I'm not there to teach. And uh, I feel like my short time here on earth is to learn some stuff and to take note of it and, and to find out how that moves me in the direction of some of these things that I'm longing for the most. I just am in awe. I really am. And I know you tell this story because this is what you do every day, but it's, it's so beautiful how much you care and you live it and you weren't looking for an ROI. You were just looking to show up and boy, did it come back to you. Let's talk about all the ways that you teach people to dream big. Yeah, but I feel like I'm learning big from these people. And it's this weird flip-flop that happens that the teacher becomes the student. So I teach it a couple different places. I teach at Pepperdine Law School, which still cracks me up a decade and a half later. <laughs> I just teach a class on failure because the whole law school gig is about win, win, win. And uh, I want to talk about when you don't, what happens. So do you have you know, your validation tied up in winning? And if so, why so? And there's no shame in it, but you just figure out the things that got you here to law school might not serve you in your family and the things that'll actually be more lasting. And I also teach at San Quentin Mm -hmm. Prison. I've been teaching there for years too. And it's been a great thing. I've got a class of some really diverse people with some diverse backgrounds. But one thing they have is they actually know they're imprisoned. <laughs> Some of the people that I'm teaching in other places don't know they're in prison. And if you need to pull over in the car right now to realize that you might be tied up with some stuff, there's some stuff that's hanging you up. It's just so beautiful to take a moment and say, what is it that's you know stressing me out? What is it that's getting me so distracted from my life that I'm actually living somebody else's life. It's kind of like, do you know that sports spelunking when you go down a cave? Yep. Yeah, if you get to the bottom of the cave and we turn on the headlight and we just say, what's been written on the walls of this cave and what's in your handwriting and what's in someone else's handwriting? What's something that you wrote in there that just isn't true anymore? What's something that somebody else wrote in there that isn't true? Uh, And then what are the things that are true about you? And I think that kind of personal reflection, I'm not saying stay in the cave because that'll make for a very isolated, pale life. But I'd say, let's go down into the cave, see what's on the wall, and then do some work on that. Yeah. I've been working on this stuff since I was, I'm 15. I guess I had my first therapy session when I was 15. But at the end of last year, I went to onsite for a week. And just looking at the stories and looking at the things that have been passed down and the shame we carry and the unworthiness we carry, you've worked with so many people. You've talked to so many people. What is one of the most consistent stories that you see that people carry around? Yeah, you know, uh, surprisingly, it's the reminder that we're all amateurs. (laughs) So some people have excelled at one thing or another. Sometimes it's in business. Sometimes it's some notoriety that they've picked up along the way. But really when it comes to loving other people and even loving ourselves, that we're really amateurs at this. Nobody goes pro and gets a leather, you know, jumpsuit and gets sponsored by Hersey's Kisses and Hallmark and all that. But if you realize that we're amateurs at this, 
that we're actually trying to learn a couple things along the way. That's where it gets really good for us because then you don't walk in um, thinking you've got it all figured out. You don't need to walk in cowering, but to just say, hey, man, I'm learning, but I'm eager. I'm going to take notes. I got a pen in my hand right now, as I always do. So when you've said some things that have made sense to me, I'll jot it down because I want to circle back to that. I'd encourage your listeners week in and week out on your podcast to write the things down that ping you and then circle back to them. Some people in their faith traditions have what's called a quiet time. And uh, that's terrific, but I haven't had one in 25 years. Mine are super loud. So I'll wake up before the chickens and I'll see everything I've written down the day before. And I try to sort out what's true and what that means to me. Yeah. And that's actually been super helpful. So instead of just walking around with a general feeling of euphoria or general feeling of loneliness, to go down the cave a little bit and say, hey, where's that coming from? What's the return address on that thing? Hey, did you know this, that the uh, eraser was invented 200 years after the pencil was invented? Is that crazy? No, never heard that. Well, wow. it, now it's here, so let's use it. <laughs> right, exactly. So, yeah. so some of the things that uh, you get this do-over, I'm a big, my worldview includes that we are uh, new creations and that uh, old Bob, I've been hanging out with him for a really long time, but new Bob, I met him five or six hours ago. And so we're going <laughs> to jump into this adventure and say, what's, what's he good at? And yep. he might suck at the same things as that he did the day before. He might be good at the things, but I want to say, what is new Bob longing for? And if your listeners were asking that, what am I longing for? Yeah, That's where the good stuff happens. And then take note, that idea of leading a noteworthy life, not not so other people think you're swell, but so engaged in what's going on that you'll want to take notes on it. It's so good. When I was flying home from onsite, I was reading Scary Close. Oh, and nice. Of course, you're all over the book. <laughs> but one of the things that he says in the book is, I learned that love, if it's really love, it can't be earned. It can only be given because that's what love is. Love is something that's just given to you. And I think fundamentally, one of the issues that I see is that people weren't given love. The kind of love that they were given, they had to earn it. They had to be perfect. They had to solve the problems. They had to be who someone else wanted them to be. So they don't know that it's possible anymore. And so they've, they've been hurt. They've been hurt. They've been rejected. They've been through loss, whatever it is. And so we, we forget that we don't have to earn it, that we could show up. How do you in your life turn the lights on and show them that they're worthy of it and it's here and it's possible? Yeah, one of the things that jumps to mind is just how we honor the people that are around us because it's easy to do something far away in another country, but to say, what are the people that are like within a stone's throw of you? Your neighbors, they're on your left side and right side, they're across the street, your coworkers. So what we do is we have a moment and we just I put my hand on their head in a really respectful way. Just <laughs> so give sweet. them a blessing. It's our time to just check in, to have like five long seconds of just check-in and to say, are you doing okay? Are you, how's your head and your heart? Uh, and sometimes that's a time for people to just lose it because they're actually not okay and their heart's not good. And, and so we use resources like on-site and other things, things called go home and walk on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> What's very, that? That's a free resource. <laughs> uh, but to say, we're just going to go do this in a different way than everybody else does things. And I would just encourage people to be just super intentional about why you're doing what you're doing. Because if you're just channeling an old boyfriend or girlfriend or uh, a parent that didn't approve of you or whatever, I would just say, we actually get to go down the cave on that thing and then do it. Uh, to your point, if the way that you experience your childhood was that uh, your parents, they loved you, but they were amateurs at it. And that they, what they did to try to get you to do the things they wanted you to do and they believed were best for you is that they would give love to you when you did what they wanted to do. And then they would withdraw love when you didn't. And it was be like they're turning their chair towards you, then they're turning their chair away from you. And that can screw with your head. <laughs> so if you're feeling a little conflicted, you say like, oh, wow, that's actually what happened. Don't be hard on your parents. They're amateurs at this thing. But to say like, wow, because when I was raised, love was given and withdrawn to get me to, and not in a bad way, but to control my behaviors, then now we're adults and are we giving and withdrawing love to control somebody's behaviors? Or do we say, hey, listen, I am so delighted that you're having this uh, new life and bringing it into the world. We'll just figure it out. Let's just go take care of you and come back if you want. Don't come back if you want, but we got your back. It's amazing what you're saying. You know, at Onsite, one of the clips they show you is that clip from Les Mis. There's the scene where he steals from this sweet family that actually like took him in and gave him a place to eat and all that. And then the cops bring him back and say, you know, he stole all this stuff. And this holy man says, not only were you given that, but you forgot to take the best, you know, you, you forgot the best candlesticks. Yeah. And he says, why did you do that? And he said, with these silver candlesticks, I bought back your soul. Yeah, right? I, come on. Yeah, oh yeah, because I showed you what unconditional love is like, right? There's a young man who uh, has been in my class, and he ended up in jail because somebody killed his brother from a rival gang, and so he was part of uh, that other person's demise. And so oh, my God. Oh, my God. Entire oh my God. adult life in San Quentin. The uh, warden who's been reading uh, Love Does uh, <sighs> let me meet with him separately and I got to tell him his release date. And then I got to tell him instead of paroling you back to the city where these gangs are from, we're paroling you to San Diego. And then I told him, you're hired. <laughs> He's on his way right now. And I actually don't know how this is going to turn out. But he called me because there were no cell phones when he went in. And uh, so when he got out, not like with a trail of bed sheets tied together, but he actually walked through the back door of San Quentin on his release date. And I said, how are you feeling? And I'm like, what's going through your head right now? And you know what he said? Mm -mm. I've got pockets. I'm mean, like, what? <laughs> of all the things to say. But I realized in San Quentin, you can't have pockets because mm -hmm. you'll just carry around stuff that you shouldn't be carrying around. And uh, I'm like, oh, that'll preach. Um, so I would say one of the things that I'm checking in on myself about all the time is what am I putting in my pockets? Like what am I ha hanging on to that I really should go pocketless on? What are the things I can just actually let go of and say, I got no room for that. I don't need pockets to carry that anymore. And it just takes a moment of self-reflection. And then also to do uh, Miles and I from onsite, we just bought an old young life camp called Oak Ridge. That's going to be gorgeous. 
Here's the thing though, I don't know anything about it. And yet I love the adventure. I love doing something. And I got that movie, uh, We've Bought a Zoo. Yep. Uh, there's a scene in there and it said, all you need is 20 seconds of just insane courage. And so most of us can muster 20 seconds of just insane courage to make the invitation, take the step, make the call, send a text. And sometimes this text doesn't need this big, long, lengthy thing. What if there's somebody that you've been alienated from and just send them a one-word text, just say, sorry. Don't say like, sorry, you suck. Just say, sorry, right? And so sorry for the loss of all this. You don't have to be pen pals, but I'm just saying, I, I just wouldn't carry that around in there pocket. If you want to send them a really long one, just say really sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Just say, I'm just freeing myself up. I wish you well on your adventure. I don't know if you're ahead of me on the trail or behind me on the trail. I'm just delighted we're on the same trail for a period of time. I could hear you on the trail and that what was, what was causing some problems, but I can't hear you now. And, uh, and so kind of making peace with that. So you can meet new you. Because all that stuff is drawing you back to old you, and it's kind of getting in the way. It's just a bunch of distractions. I'm just, everything about you is just like butterflies and the, the nectar, you know, whatever that sweetness is. The thing that I see a lot of people, they just talk a lot, or they complain, or they get stuck, or they have these stories in their head like we're talking about now, but they just are not doing the things. And I think it's because people, like you said, we just don't want to do anything unless we know we won't fail. We don't want to be messy. We don't want to look stupid. We don't want to be in the middle and the unknown. We just, if we're going to publish a blog, we want it to be great or else we're not doing it. It's like, we, we got to have it all ready, this ready thing. And there's so much there that I see where people just get right up to the line and then they just, they get so worried that the thing will not be perfect. What do you say to those people? You know, the, uh, I, it matters to me a little bit more what it is than what it looks like. And so that happens all the time in our lives with, with your expression of faith, in your relationships. Like nobody puts a Facebook picture up of them turning around 20 feet from the summit and bailing. Nobody puts a picture up of a failed relationship or where they weren't faithful or whatever, we have these failures that happen. And I think people are more afraid of the perception of a big public failure than of an even larger personal failure, like a private one. Yeah. If we can just sync that up, I have a great exercise with these prisoners. We'll hand out paper to them. And so now we got 400 felons with paper. (laughs) I said, (laughs) hey, I want you guys to make some paper airplanes for me. Make your best one. And so these guys, they've got some time on their hands. So some of these guys really have elaborate. It's like origami. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so they make these amazing airplanes. And then we get some of them up in front to fly them. And they actually don't go very far. They look awesome, but they don't go far. And then what I'll do is I'll just take mine and crumple it up into a ball. And I can throw it to the back of the room. So one of the things that happens if you want to go far, you can't spend all your time trying to look good. <laughs> and, mm. and I'm not trying to look good anymore. I, I'm actually not, I'm not being self-effacing, but uh, you know, I, I'm not trying to turn heads in any respect, nor could I, if I, that was my ambition. 
But what I want to do is be super purposeful to know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I'll give you just like a, uh, one of the things that is in the room where I am right now, there's a little foam core, you know, like those kinds you get at Staples when you make a volcano Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. junior high school and it has little wings on it and it has the 16 things I'm doing right now. These are the 16 things I'm doing and I know why I'm doing them. San Quentin's one of the 16 things and uh, writing a book, I know why I'm doing that. We've got a place in Canada, I know why I'm doing that, and who we try to bring there and why we bring them. And so you can go like tic-tac-toe and you have nine things. I would say you might start with just one thing, like this is the thing I'm doing. But if it's just one thing uh, that you've been doing, I would ask, is this because you're capable of it and you're just getting all your validation, which is a really good thing. I think that's great. But there's probably something inside of you that's been stirring for a long time. And I just want to get what's inside of you, outside of you, mm-hmm. into the world. I don't care what that paper airplane looks like. I just want it to go a little further than it's gone before. And uh, that might mean taking some risks. It's going to take 20 seconds of insane courage mm-hmm. <laughs> to mm-hmm. just say, I'm putting a flag in the sand. We're going to give this thing a try. So if there's a person that you've been interested in, uh, man, make a phone call, send the text, meet with them, have three minutes of absolute authenticity to mm-hmm. say, and the only ground rules are this, you can't try to fix me. I'm going to tell you for three minutes authentically what's really going on. I don't care what it looks like. Let me tell you what it is. And then have them tell you three minutes authenticity and then don't speak of it again. You let them know if I want to talk about it again, I'll tell you, but it'll just be a really beautiful thing to have a human moment Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with another person Mm -hmm. where where it's very safe. Make this place like Switzerland, you know, put a a bar of chocolate and a bobsled as a prop. (laughs) (laughs) This is Switzerland. It looks like Starbucks, but it's actually Switzerland. And for three minutes, we're just going to be authentic. And this isn't like for shock value or anything. It's just to go down that uh, shaft and say, this is what's on the cave walls today and why. Yeah. I love this conversation, but before we keep going, let's just thank our sponsor. You probably don't think much about your internet privacy on your own home network, even incognito mode and clearing your browsing history aren't really doing that much to protect your information. And that's why I love ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN makes sure your ISP internet service provider can't see what sites you visit. Instead, your internet connection is rerouted through ExpressVPN secure servers. They also encrypt 100% of your data with best-in-class encryption, so your information is always protected. It's the fastest and most trusted VPN on the market, and it's rated number one by CNET. Wired, The Verge, and more. I love that ExpressVPN has me covered on every device, and it's super easy to use. I can just pick up my phone or iPad or laptop, and with one tap of a button, I know my privacy is protected, which is a huge priority to me because all my businesses are online. So protect your online activity today with the VPN that I trust to secure my privacy. Visit my special link at expressvpn.com slash streamjob, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash dream job expressvpn.com slash dream job to learn more one of the things that i hear from my listeners that relates to what you're saying is i don't know what's been stirring inside of me i don't know what i want to do i don't know and then there's other people who say well i do know but there's 14 things i might want to do right now um and i don't know which one is my existential absolute calling in life and how will I start? So I can't start. Here's another reason I can't start because I don't know or I don't know which one. And so I stay here. Have you ever seen that? 
oh yeah, I totally can relate to that. I've been that. And sometimes what happens is you can say, I have like so many ambitions, like just countless. How much time do you have? And the answer is, I got all the time in the world. I just need to have organized. I know the 16 things that I've decided, no magic number 16, but like these are the things and they might get a little smaller, or a little bigger, but these are the ones right now. And sometimes where an ambition meets an opportunity, that's where you are. But I would say it is all about where you start. And I would say, I'm talking calendar pages, uh, not like uh, geography. I'd say start today. To say what, 20 seconds of just insane courage. What would be, you want to move one chess piece, one square. Mm -hmm. uh, what's, what's one square towards the other side that you can make? And it's just whatever it would be, 20 seconds of insane courage for you. Something that you've been have been longing for for the longest time, but didn't feel like you had permission. And I think we're both just waving our arms in the air, like you're here, you have permission. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everything except knocking off a liquor store, but yep. just like, just do that thing. And if it fails, you'll know you're alive because you'll feel some pain. And that will be a reminder that isn't scar tissue. Those are uh, not bruises. They're like stretch marks. They're like the things that make you know I'm fully alive and I'm not afraid of failing at this thing. I'm actually going to fail trying, not fail watching. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so beautiful. I wrote down when you said ambition meets opportunity. It's so good. And uh, when Seth Godin was here and I said, so Seth, how do people know their purpose in life? He goes, oh, I just reject that question. That's ridiculous. He goes, just be of use today. And you just said like where ambition meets opportunity and then just do the little thing today. It just leads you. You get led to where you're supposed to serve. And um, it's just amazing what you're saying. You do all of these workshops, you're speaking. What's a couple of those steps in the Dream Big framework and how we can apply it? Yeah, you know, we uh, gather together from people that are stay-at-home moms to billionaires and, um, and people trying to make big moves and small moves or figure out a relationship or figure out their next uh, courageous step. And so what we talk about is this idea to figure out your ambition. And so I went uh, with Maria to the East Coast and she sent me out to get a bunch of leaves for the Thanksgiving table. And I was out there for 45 minutes with my basket and I didn't pick up a single leaf. <laughs> and she's like, what the heck? And uh, I, there, were just, there were so many, I just couldn't pick. And I'd say for some people, there's so many different ambitions that they have. At some point, in, uh, you need to take a knee, maybe two knees, and just pick one and say, okay, so this is the one. And then that, once you've identified an ambition, that's like catnip for opportunities. Mm. <laughs> it is. Like you just start looking for them. Uh, this uh, gathering called Hillsong, they uh, gather in London. And I knew I was going to be there May 14th. And so I wrote to the queen. I said, I'm going to be there May 14th. If you're in London on May 14th, I mean, we should meet. And get this, one of her ladies-in-waiting wrote back. I'm like, lady, what are you waiting for? And she said, the queen is so disappointed that she can't meet you. I'm just sure it tore all up. But here's the deal. For an envelope and a dollar in postage, I'm talking to Buckingham Palace. Yep. If you're listening, you just address it to Buckingham Palace. You don't even know her, need to know her name. Like, they'll figure it out. Yep. But just be engaged in the world around us. We're not like in the spectator section. 
but if you're seeing it in the news, engage it, engage it with empathy and kind of make the next move. So then the next thing we talk about besides identifying an ambition or looking for an opportunity is to take action, as you said, to just make some moves. Don't make a list, make a call. What's your next move? Like one of my ambitions was to become a grandpa. And there's only so much I can do about that. But <laughs> I can, you know, I can rent a hotel room in Hawaii and see everybody. <laughs> More wine to the cabana. Um, so you can be an active participant, even in ambitions that are beyond your control a little bit. And then expect some setbacks. Uh, you know, we built this lodge in Canada to bring good guys and bad guys and undecided. We've signed 32 peace agreements there. Is that crazy? Insane. And um, we hired a bunch of people to come up and put a coat of stain on this thing. Mm. And they were there. They put the oily rags together, spontaneously combusted. It burned it to the ground. And I think that's happened to some of your listeners. It'll be, it wasn't in their house. It was a relationship. A, an ambition. It was a career. It was a hope. It was something. And it just feels like it all burnt down. And, and so now we get to decide, so what are you going to do when there's a setback? And what's your next move? What we did, I bought a 150 foot crane. I just started swinging logs into place. And so three years, eight months and eight days later, we're rebuilt. So I would say just because it burned down doesn't need to stay burned down. So what Mm -hmm. is it that you bailed on? because it just didn't go the way. And I would just say, is it worth revisiting that? Would that yeah. be a courageous step? Mm-hmm. And then finally, land the plane. And if, uh, uh, if you've ever come in, I know you do that every day, but when you come into an uh, airport to land, right before you touch down, they cut the engines and the plane just kind of hovers there about 10 feet off the tarmac before the wheels touch down. And that's called ground effect. And what happens, the uh, air is going over the wing hitting the concrete and pushing up on the wing. So what you end up doing is floating until you stall out. And so landing the plane, which we talked to our friends, is like, let's get the wheels on the ground. Like, let's actually not hover over your ambition, just 10 feet over it. And I would say the key thing to getting all this is just don't be distracted. And so one of the things that could be really helpful as you're figuring out your ambitions is to say, what are your distractions? What's distracting me? Is it uh, scarcity? Is it thought that like I'm not going to be have any food? I'm going to be eating cat food if I quit this job. Yeah. And figure out where those came from. You could have some fear of rejection. That's a huge one that I found on my cave wall. Even when uh, our most recent person left to have their baby, uh, she's like way eight and three quarters months pregnant. <laughs> she was just ready to happen. And I said, girl, this is your last day. You need to go home, stop doing all the magnificent things you're doing. Because I actually don't want you to have it here on the carpet. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But when she said, okay, this is my last day, you know what I felt? Absolute rejection. Is that crazy? Mm -hmm. Be like, she wasn't rejecting me. She's going to go give birth. (laughs) But because she was leaving, because of the some of the stuff in my past, I felt rejected and it was so great to just have a moment of authenticity, say, this is not you. This is just me. I'm feeling rejection right now. And it's so ridiculous that it gives me some moment to say that to you. And if I really go down the cave and say, why do we pay people to stay away and just raise their kids? I don't want them to come back for a paycheck. Mm -hmm. I want them to come back because they want to work with me. 
Yeah. I don't want them to come back because they need to, have to, whatever. And the origins of that is in this thing. So what I've done is take this feeling of rejection and I flipped it on its end. I gave it a 180 and I said, actually, I'm going to use that for good in other people's lives and then come clean with that. Just realize it in mine and then not make these setbacks campsites. That's the last thought I have. I think sometimes we have a setback we kind of camp out there and it really mm-hmm. was just a wide spot in the road. It wasn't a place where for you to set up shop and continue to return to. Yeah. I'm saying understand it, but I'm not saying park the car there and set the brake. Yeah. You know something interesting? I wouldn't be surprised if you guys are best friends, but the Dalai Lama, when Christians and Jews come to him from around the world, he says, go home. You have what you need. Beautiful. Can you believe that? I He's can't like, believe that. He goes, you don't need to be a Buddhist. You don't need to be anything else. You go home. You're okay. There's no agenda there. You know, uh, when you said that, it made me think about how uh, the Dalai Lama has been living in exile in India all these years. Yes, that's correct. Your listeners aren't hip on this. Like, so yep. uh, when the Dalai Lama dies, they look for his next incarnation, like mm-hmm. where and so the Dalai Lama died a long time ago, and then they looked for four years till they found this current one, and they said, mm-hmm. "You're the Dalai Lama." And so he's now 79 years old, almost mm-hmm. 80. So I wrote him a letter, and I said, if "Of course you did. Of if course you're not you did." Coming back later, uh, we won't be able to meet. Um, so what if we meet right now? And he wrote back and he said, yes. And so we did. <laughs> I knew it. I, I knew when I was speaking about him, I'm like, he's probably sitting next to you right now. No, but here's the deal. Uh, <laughs> you don't know me from, you know, Adam or the next Dalai Lama. I'm saying if you're listening, if there's somebody that you have an ambition and I didn't put up a head. That's insane. So just go and do it and let the, the moment just honor that moment by just shutting up about it. Like, don't make a big deal about it. Just go and do it. But then delight in the availability of people that are leading a billion people. Even if you have a different faith expression, a, a different worldview, just go meet them. I yeah. like, it's like, wow, that's where all the good stuff happens. That's awesome. This is one of the things that comes up is that people feel, especially when there's people like the Dalai Lama and Bob Goff and Beyonce and fill in the blank, there's no room for them. They don't think they're needed. And I often say that God doesn't make extras. And that's why I find it amazing that like every person still has a different fingerprint. And you'd think like scientifically, what's the need for that? And I look at that like, because everyone has a different imprint to make, like you're needed, but people don't think they're needed. They're like, Bob Goff's already doing it. Why do people need me? There's nothing else that I can add. I'm not needed. And I think when we feel we're not needed, that's a very, very sad, sad place to be. So how do you help people understand that you are absolutely needed and the work has not been done that you were put here to do? Yeah, I'm right back to just delighting in the small stuff. Instead of saying, I want to start an entire movement uh, across earth. And that's a beautiful vision. <laughs> so definitely do that. What if you go to the dime store and get a magnifying glass and memorize the fingerprint of the person you love the most. Mm. And then uh, forget chocolates on Valentine Day. You just sit there and you draw their fingerprint to say, I'm the only person on earth that knows your fingerprint. I've got it memorized. I know somebody, if they're taking your photograph with their camera, the person taking the picture is smiling. Like that's how God sees you. He's not, he doesn't have a furrowed brow. He's not shaking his head in disappointment. 
he's just delighted in you. Like God sees a son. He doesn't see your mess ups. What, what I'm getting beyond that, I'm trying to say, okay, so well, like, who am I becoming? Who am I becoming? Who's new Bob? And what's he going to be good at and bad at? And I'm trying to do more of the things I'm good at, but I'm not afraid of the things I'm bad at anymore. Yeah. Because yeah. I want my piece of paper to go far. I don't care what it looks like as it's getting there. You know, it reminds me when you're just talking about that, how, how much God made for us to enjoy, you know, there's mountains and sunsets and like, sometimes my husband and I will take the kids, we go on a hike and we live in LA and I'm like, no one's here. Like, how is no one enjoying this? And um, when I had Martha Beck on the podcast, she was saying that when she was at Harvard, she studied the world. And she said, I couldn't believe how many people in free societies voluntarily chose to spend most of their lives doing things they hated doing, like they were miserable. And we talked about, and I see this so often that there's this shame around receiving, like, who am I to have a lot? I'll just take a tiny piece. I'll sit on the floor and I will just take a crumb when there's like a whole buffet, right? And I find that so, it, it, it drives me crazy. How do you deal with that when you're like, have it, take it, you're allowed to feel joy, it's here for you. Uh, one of the things among many that I'm learning in putting this retreat center together is we've got brush all over the place in Southern California and it's all over to 150 acres, a bunch of brush everywhere. And I really like kind of green. I'm more of like an Ireland guy. And so you can either cut it all down and, you know, wait for it to catch on fire again and burn, or you can get a hundred goats. And you know what we just did? We got a hundred goats. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> and so what you do with the goats is you pen them in an acre at a time and a hundred goats will eat an acre of brush every day. Here's the crazy part. That's crazy. They, they won't eat any of the grass. Like the stuff that's actually the green, awesome stuff, they're not interested. And then they talk about a sheep, like all they'll do is eat the grass and not the brush. And I, I'm not saying one's better than the other, but I'm just saying sometimes we're eating the brush and what there's been this, to your point, uh, just this buffet of beautiful, tender, green stuff in front of us. And uh, we're just eating the brush and, uh, and cynicism was just a bunch of brush. Some of the discouragement, distractions, just more brush. And I would just say, I just go a little less goat on that. Um, I don't mean greatest of all time. I just mean go a little bit more for the stuff that will actually be a little bit, it will serve you better. It will have a longer shelf life for you and your relationships. And, and I'm telling you kindness. So we'll do it. If you're looking for happy, happy is really transitory. So people will say to me like, why mm-hmm. are you so happy? And you just go like, no, it's actually a little bit uh, more longstanding joy. Like yeah. in the arc, I would say, I see a bright future, even in the midst of some uh, immediate difficulties. And this isn't just optimism. It's just, it's actually a perspective. Yeah. And to speak that over your life, I don't know if you grew up watching that movie, The Sandlot, or there was also The Wonder Mm -hmm. Years. It was, Mm -hmm. and what would happen is that the, uh, the person that narrated this thing, they would kind of go up and over the scene and speak down on what was happening. Yeah. And so I think of it in the times that I'm writing words is the wonder years voice. And so what I try to do in my life is not just uh, report the facts. That's what they do on the news, but to go wonder years voice and to say, 
what does this mean to me? And if you, it's like kind of looking down on the operating room table, but instead of just observing the scene, saying, speaking into that scene, it's wisdom to count your days. It seems like all the uh, golf men all seem to keel over on about the same day at the same age. Mm -hmm. So it's not morbid, but I've kind of counted backwards from there. And I know my best guess at how many Easter's I have left in me. And I'm just trying to live into that strategically. So is a seven on the Enneagram and you can probably relate to that. It just, oh, yeah. yeah, super enthusiastic, but underneath a veneer of enthusiasm is a mile of strategy. I know exactly. I got my 16 things. These are the things I'm doing and I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I would just encourage your listeners. If that's what seems like it'd be helpful to do the same, pick a leaf, like make a plan, make the call, send the text free yourself up, lose the pockets. I think some of those things, if those have some shelf life for you or pinged you, then that would actually probably serve you and the people around you really well. You're amazing. Tell us where we can find you. Tell us where we can do more things with you and all of that. Oh yeah. I'll just be at a nickel bookstore. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a hard guy to find. If you look around, you'll find me eventually, but I'm just like so honored to share a little bit of time It's a really beautiful thing. So thanks for letting me just share a little part of that. Thank you for being you and walking through the world and being such a lightning rod for love and kindness and joy and purpose. It's just beautiful to witness. And it was a gift to spend time with you. What a delight he is. What a joy. Here are the takeaways. Number one, the world needs people who are available. Be available and you'll learn something about yourself. Number two, we're all amateurs. Walk in to learn, be eager, and take notes. Number three, we are new creations. Jump into this adventure and find out what the new you is longing for. Number four, be intentional about why you're doing what you're doing. Number five, start today. All you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. Number six, if you want to go for it, you can't spend all your time trying to look good. Number seven, once you identify an ambition, it's catnip for opportunity. Be engaged in the world around you. Don't be in the spectator section. And number eight, don't just observe the scene of your life. Lose the pockets that you're hanging on to. Make a plan, make a call, and love the adventure. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm well aware that there's so much going on and you could be doing a million other things. It means the world to me that you're here. There's so many more good episodes coming up on the show. I'm just so honored that all these special people are going to be here with us as they already have been. So if you haven't already, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Remember, it's completely free to subscribe. And I'm curious if this episode inspired you. Did this episode teach you something new? If the answer is yes, can you think of one person right now who might benefit from hearing this episode? If so, send them a text, tag them in an Instagram post. You can tag me and I'll repost it, but share the show. This community has become like a movement and we just continue to lift each other up. If you want to get in on some awesome swag, go ahead and leave a review for the show. Take a screenshot and email it to us at hello at don'tkeepyourdayjob.com and uh, make the subject line star and leave us a review. It helps other people find the show and it means the world to see what you guys are saying about the show. And every month I'll pick a couple of you who leave reviews and I'll send you some adorable gifts. I love you guys. I'll leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you Thursday. 
The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. Like a soldier